Welcome everyone to the Biblical Truth Podcast. I am Pastor Jimmy with Mount Nebo Baptist Church, and I am so glad that you are tuning in today for this podcast. Now, you will know if you listen to the trailer podcast that I shared recently that this is something that is brand new, so I ask that you please be patient and allow us to work through the kinks of doing this as it is something brand new, the very first one that I have ever done. And so with that being said, I hope that that you will pray that uh, we'll be able to work through this uh, smoothly. Uh, With that also being said, I want you to know that uh, if you listened to the opening podcast, uh, the trailer podcast, then you'll know that we're going to be hitting various topics and I am so excited about that, that, that we're not just going to be locked into one area, but that we're going to, we're going to hit various spots. Um, and those places are going to be from where I'm preaching from on Sundays, which is in the book of Romans. We'll have question and answer where people submit questions. And then we hope to have like a round table discussion where we have guests on this podcast and we are discussing scripture together. And, and I'm super excited about uh, that aspect of it because I know that that is going to help me to grow spiritually, those involved in that roundtable to grow spiritually, and really the heart behind this entire podcast uh, in hitting those three areas is that you as a believer would grow as a Christian. So that's the heart behind this. And then also if there's someone who says, look, I'm not a believer, but they say, I'm going to tune in to the podcast because I, I want to hear uh, what's being said that through that and the proclamation of the word that people would come to know Jesus Christ. So again, we, we are super excited. We're, we're grateful that you have tuned in today. Uh, but before we get started and begin with our very first topic, let's open up with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this podcast. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to be able to do it. Lord, as, as we come to this podcast today, Lord, I'm just praying that you will help me to be intentional with every word that I say. Lord, help me to speak it with clarity. Help me to speak it with humility. Lord, help me to speak it with love. And Lord, I just pray that it'll be accurate, Lord, from your word, as that this is what this surrounds, is biblical truth. And so, Lord, I pray for the one who's listening, Lord, that you will give them hearts to receive it, that you will change them in some way through your word. And Lord, if there is one that has tuned in today that doesn't know you, that you will draw them unto salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the very first topic that we are going to be dealing with is what is known as antinomianism. And I know that seems like a a big word, but let me give you what the definition of that this is. And I, I don't think that it's simply uh, limited to this definition, but I believe that this encompasses the the reality of, of what antinomianism is. And according to the Dictionary of Theology, it is to deny that God demands or expects any obedience to the law from believers. Now, with that being said, and, and thinking on that thought, uh, I don't know if you're a believer and, and you've read the word any amount of time, as I as I have, and I don't think that you have to be a believer for a long time, but but any amount of time, and you have read God's word, if we are all honest with each other, one of the things that I believe will happen is, is that there can be tension created in our hearts when we read something in one spot and then we read something in another spot in Scripture. And I'll give you a prime example of this tension that is dealing, I believe, with 
antinomianism uh, within my heart. And that is, Paul says in Romans 6, that we are not under the law, but we are under grace. Now, in listening to that, it seems like if we are under grace, it's, it's that unmerited favor. It would seem to mean that there is no mandate. There's no, uh, there, there's no uh, demand on our life to be obedient followers of, of Jesus. And, and that's the heart of what I believe that antinomianism is in, in denying that God demands any of this stuff. So we have Paul in Romans chapter 6 saying we're not under the law but under grace. But then you go and you read out of John 14, 15, and I'm going to go there if you want to go there with me just to, to see this. And that is, he says, if you love me, keep my commands. And then in verse 21, he says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And so when, when I read the words of Paul in Romans and then I read the words in the book of John, it creates a little bit of tension within my heart because in one sense I'm saying, well, I'm under grace. And then I read what Jesus says and there's this divine mandate that, hey, if you love me, that you will do this. And I believe that, that we've got to, to figure out how the law relates to a believer. I made this statement um, in my last sermon as I was preaching to fathers, and that was that a lot of times in, in the church, one of the things I think that we make the mistake of is we think because we have become believers that, that Jesus has saved us, that somehow the law has now become null and void. It doesn't mean anything. And in fact, some people go so far as to say that because they are saved, that the word, even the word itself has no binding authority over their life. And so they say, hey, I can have faith in Jesus, but I can live as a rogue Christian. I never have to come to church. I, I, I uh, never have to to live. I never have to live for Jesus. I never have to follow Him. I never have to listen to His commands. You know, I never have to read the Bible, pray. None of those things apply to me. They only apply if I feel like doing it, because no one can tell me. Not even the preacher can put me under a mandate from God's Word. It's all what I want to do if I choose to do it. And a lot of times what you'll hear people say is, is well, I'm going to do, I'm doing what I do just simply because I have gratitude. You know, I, I feel this way, so I'm going to do it. And, and what I would argue is, is that's a false uh, interpretation of Scripture. I would also argue on the other side of that too is, is that there are people who also think, hey, uh, someone told me from the Word, um, and I have seen this posted on Facebook, that, that how I live my life, you know, kind of going along with what I just said, how I live my life doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I live consistently in drunkenness. It doesn't matter if I live consistent in sexual sin. It doesn't matter if I live uh, regarding the sin of self and, and idolatry and, and living for myself and doing what I want because 
I've made faith in Jesus. Those things don't define me. I'm defined by the grace of God. And so that's where all of this tension arises is, is what, what is right? What, what does God's word say? And I believe that that's exactly where we have to get our answers from so that, that we're not on one extreme or the other. Now, I will confess to you, and what I'm going to say is, is, is I believe that the law of Christ, as spoken of in Galatians 6, 2, has put, put us or given us a mandate to fulfill the law of Christ, as it is described in Galatians 6, 2. And I will confess that when we are not filled with the Spirit, and what I mean by filled with the Spirit is that, that we're not led, guided, under the control of the Spirit, that, that we can try to please God with, you know, in our flesh, that, that, that we can simply do it because it's, it's mechanical. But nonetheless, I believe uh, from a scriptural perspective that the believer is un, or is or has, I don't want to say the word under, but I want to say that they have a mandate from Christ on their life to walk in holiness, to love the Lord God their, with all their heart, soul, and mind, and love their neighbor as, as themselves. And so what I'm contending in this is, is yes, we have a, a, we have a divine mandate from Jesus to fulfill the law as believers, as believers. And in doing so, we are pleasing Him. We have this calling upon our life. And so I'm rejecting the notion that all believers have no mandate on their life, which is what antinomianism uh, suggests, that God doesn't demand anything from us. But I think in order to see that the law has changed uh, in regards to the believer, we've got to understand what the law is. And, and what the law is, and, and I want to explain this really briefly, is the law is what God has instituted. It is perfect. It is holy. It is right. It, it is pure. And when we look at the law of God, and especially from the, the moral aspect of the law, we see just how holy God is. Now, I understand, and I think many of us would probably agree with this. I think that in saying I understand how holy God is, I don't know that I really understand the depth of that. But whenever I look at the the law and I look at my life, I see how holy He is. Um, and, and it shows me just how far that I fall short. Because even Jesus Himself says, if you thought it, then guess what? You have broken the law. It's like you actually physically committed the act. So when you take the, the, the physical aspect of doing it and then you take the, the thought process of doing it, I mean, if we were honest, how many of us, you know, have just decimated God's law through the way that we have lived? And, and I think if we were all honest, we would say, man, we, we are like just so fallen. We, we fall so short. I know I see that in my own life. But I think with the law, what we have to understand is, is that the law was never granted to give us salvation. The whole purpose of the law is that we would see just what I described, that we would see our depravity. 
and that we would say, where do we find salvation? Because we cannot find it in keeping the law of God because we fall so short. Where can we find it? And that's where the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done. Jesus came, was our righteousness, he didn't come to do away with the law. He, come, he came to fulfill it. He fulfilled every aspect of it. And then he died on the cross, taking the wrath that I should have uh, taken on my life, basically taking my place and taking that wrath for the sin of mankind so that we who believe in him would have everlasting life. And, and, and so friends, what I pray that you'll see is the, the very first aspect of the law applies to the unbeliever. And so all that's meant to do is, is to drive you to the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I'm placing my faith in you. Save me. And if you believe that Jesus died and you believe that he rose from the grave and you believe that in your heart and you confess it with your mouth, the Bible says that you will be saved. And so that's how the law fits in to the unbeliever. And that's where Paul comes in, I think, in Romans chapter 6. And he says, you know, you're not under the law, but now you're under grace. And friends, that's good news, that we're no longer under the weight of the law. It's no longer crushing us. We're no longer, as John MacArthur says, under the tyranny of the law. We have been set free. The chains have been broken. I think the danger in, in understanding that, in proclaiming that, is to say we're going to take a hyper-grace view now because Paul says that we are under grace. And I want to say this at the forefront. When I preach and what I believe is and many people would tell you this, is that I believe that you're saved by faith alone, grace alone, through Christ alone. And that comes through preaching the Scripture. And, and so there's nothing that you can add to it. There's, there's no works that you add to your faith that make you right with God. There, there's nothing that you put together with it. Jesus satisfied it all. Um, and so it's, it's all His work, nothing else you know, Jesus's blood and his righteousness, as the song says. So it's all Jesus. Nothing is added to it. Uh, but in saying that, I, I think that maybe I'm in the same boat as maybe the people saying, but Paul, if you go to Romans chapters 1 through chapters 5, what you find is, is that people are going to say, Paul, wait a minute, if you preach this salvation by by faith alone, and that, that it's all by the grace of God, His unmerited favor, people are going to walk off into sin. They're going to live, the, they're going to live how they want to live. They're, they're not going to follow the Lord. They're going to do what they want. It's just going to be a constant state of sin. And, and Paul's objection, I believe, comes in Romans 6. He's saying, wait a minute. What I'm telling people, and again, I don't know exactly how the Apostle Paul would say this. I'm paraphrasing what I think he would say. So uh, remember, there, there's no authority behind what I'm saying here. But, but I can see Paul maybe responding this way. Wait a minute. Romans chapters 1 through 5 is simply to show how man is made right with God. 
to show them that it's not your works. It's not faith plus works. It's not anything else. It's not keeping the law that makes you right and puts you in right standing with God. Romans 1 through 5 is to show that the only way that you're going to be able to stand before God is to be clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. And that only comes by faith through grace through Christ alone. And that's it. And then Romans chapter 6 comes on and that's where he's saying, wait a minute. What, what I'm saying is, is look, if you're saved, does that mean that grace abounds that much more that you can live any way that you want to live? That we would continue living as the old man? And his response is, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And so what I hear in that is, is that Paul is saying that believers have been granted a new life because he goes on to say, uh, how shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? Or do you not know that as many of us that were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And at the end of verse four, he says, even so we should walk in the newness of life. So even Paul, I believe, is showing us that look, if you do stand right before God, you have been justified, which means you stand before him that you have a brand new life and this mandate is is that you would walk in this brand new life because just as the the symbol of being baptized you're you're burying that old life and then you are raising with Christ and you are brand new and so friends what i want you to see is is now something has happened and i believe what has happened is is that I think the law of Christ that is talked about in Galatians 2 takes a different position in the life of the believer. And what I mean is, I believe that we do have a mandate which goes contrary to antinomianism, which says God demands or expects any obedience. I believe that we are or we have a divine mandate from Jesus to now fulfill the law because you can never do that in your unredeemed state. That's what we just discovered. It shows us how far we fall short. But now you've been freed for with a brand new life and you've been given the spirit of God to walk in obedience. And I believe that's why Jesus says, you know, if you love me, then you will keep my commands. Even in 1 John, if you want to go there with me, 1 John 2, 3, it says, Now by this we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in this, or in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also walk just as he walked. So there's a divine mandate. The test of knowing him is how do you walk? Are you keeping the the law of Christ as a believer. Now let me say this because I want I want to stress this to you. I am not saying that by keeping the commandments as a believer that that's added to your salvation and that's what makes you right. What I'm saying is the fruit of the reality that you stand justified before a holy God 
is that now you can do something in your life that you've never been able to do before to please him. The fruit is, is that you walk in obedience and you keep the law of Christ, which is in Galatians 6, 2, which is love God. I'm summing this up, love God and love people. We're not talking about the ceremonial aspects of the law. Uh, what I'm simply arguing is, is that I don't believe that the moral aspects of the law are simply done away with. Because whenever you look at summing up the law of Christ as loving God and loving people, that certainly hits some of the aspects of the moral law in the Old Testament. And so what, what I'm saying is I think that as believers, that relationship has now changed where we bear this fruit that we never could before. And so there is, I believe, for the believer, this uh, divine mandate. Now, you may be having a hard time with this. And, and, and let me tell you something, it, it's created tension in my heart too. Uh, but when I go to Romans chapters eight, go with me there, because this is so important as we're moving along. And I know we're moving fast, but this is what it says. Because the carnal mind, listen to this, is in many against God, for it is not subjected, or it is not subject, listen to this, to the law of God, nor can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So who's not subject to the law of God? Who can't bring any pleasure to God through the law? It's like filthy rags. It's, it's those who are at enmity against God. It's unbelievers, those who are controlled by the flesh. Now, I'm going to read exactly uh, what uh, this commentary says. And I know I'm referencing John MacArthur a lot, but bear with me. Um, but this is what he says. The unbeliever's problem is much deeper than acts of disobedience, which are merely outward manifestations of inward fleshly compulsions. His basic inclination and orientation towards gratifying himself However, outwardly religious or moral he may appear are directly hostile to God. Even the good deeds unbelievers perform are not truly a fulfillment of God's law because they are produced by the flesh for selfish reasons and from a heart of rebellion. So what that tells me is, is that when you hear Paul saying that, in, that someone who's at enmity in a carnal mind is not subject to the law of God, then someone can be subject to fulfilling the law of Jesus Christ. If Because that's the implication here. If a person who's an enemy against God can't do it, well, who can? The one who has been given the Spirit of God now can fulfill the law of Christ Jesus by loving God and loving people. That's the fruit. It's not what makes you right. It's the fruit. So when somebody, you go somewhere to a church and they say, hey, you want to be right with God? Love God, love people. They're lying to you. You can't do that in your unredeemed state. You have a carnal mind. You're at enmity against God if you don't believe in Jesus Christ. But the reality of standing right before him, now you can do that for the first time. And the reason that you can do that is in verse 9, listen to what he says. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So he answers the questions. The one who's an enemy with God, he's not subject to the law of God, nor can he can be because he can't please God because he's in the flesh. But you, he turns around to the believer and says, you can because you're no longer operating in the flesh hostile to God because through your salvation, you have been granted the Spirit of God. And this is what frees us to be able to live a life that honors Him. It's the Spirit of God living inside of us. 
And so whenever you talk about salvation, we're, we're justified, we're sanctified. And, and I believe this is the, the process where we are growing in Jesus Christ. And you may be sitting here as a believer saying right now, Jimmy, this puts me under a weight as a believer to, that, that you're telling me that, look, I have a mandate from Jesus to, to fulfill the law of Christ. And here's the good news about that. I fall short of that. Every single person in their, un, in their redeemed state falls short of that. Do you not think that God knows that even with the imputed righteousness of Christ that we're still going to fall short. That's the beauty of the gospel. This is not about sinless perfection. And I know some people don't like Matt Chandler, but something that he says I think is really good is, is he says, listen, it's not about sinless perfection. It's about are you stumbling forward? Are you moving forward? Are you continuing to grow? Because we all are going to stumble and fall at times in our life, but we've got to get up and continue to move forward until the day of Christ Jesus. That's the beauty of the gospel is that we constantly stand under the grace of God. But it does not limit the believer to live any way that he wants to live because now we are, you know, by the Spirit have been mandated through the Spirit to grow in the grace and knowledge of Him and to honor Him with our life. And that should be the fruit of it. And some will say on here, listen, you can't tell me that. You cannot put me under a mandate, just like Antoninism says. You, you can't demand, God doesn't demand or expect anything from me. So if he doesn't demand or expect anything from me, then you can, as a preacher, tell me how to live my life. It's all my choice if I choose to do any of this. And look at what verse 12 says, because he answers that. Therefore, brethren, listen to what he says. We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. So what's he insinuating? You are debtor to Jesus to live in the Spirit. Now, what does that word debtor mean? Uh-oh. You and I as believers are obligated persons. So what does that mean? We are obligated as believers because of what Jesus has done in our life to walk in His ways. That is simply what I'm contending. And so what I hope and pray is is that you won't buy in and maybe even stunt your spiritual growth or even being used by God in a powerful way because you've bought into these messages that tell you that because you are saved solely by faith, which is what I'm telling you today, you're, you're saved solely by faith, that nothing else applies to your entire life. If that were true, Jesus would never say, if you love me, keep my commands. It would not be necessary for Paul in Galatians chapter 6, to say in verse 2, you who are spiritual, restore such one in spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also are tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill. Listen to this. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Paul is saying, fulfill the law of Christ. And so what I'm simply saying is, listen, we are under this. Don't be stunted in your spiritual journey because you hear this, I don't have to live for Jesus. God has called you to walk in holiness. God has called you to serve him. And, and when you listen to what Jesus says, he says, you know, he wants us to, to give up our lives for the sake of the gospel to not chase after the things of the world. And so in, in serving him throughout the rest of scripture, we're granted gifts to serve him 
to live for him, to edify the body of Christ. And so whenever you take all of that into consideration, I hope that you now see how important it is to realize that if we've been made right with God, then we need to grow in him. And by doing that, we've got to get into his word. And through that sanctification process, we've got to see how he tells us to live. And I think that means that we've got to be intentional to walk in his ways. You can't do this passively. And I believe that if we love Jesus, these are things that we will do over time. We will grow in him. We will get in his word. We will do these things. It'd be like saying, oh, I'm married and I love my wife, but I never come home. It doesn't work that way. You and I both know that. And so what I'm contending, I mean, let me say this all in, in, in another breath before I close this down, is that, is that, Friends, I'm just simply saying that the law of Christ has changed its position and or the law has changed its position in our life and I believe that it is the law of Christ and now we have been freed to to fulfill it. I'm going to read a quote by John John MacArthur and and I think that he might even say it better than me. Um so that's why I'm going to quote what he's got to say as I'm trying to wind this up. And one of the things that he speaks on is this issue of of the law. And he says this. So what are we saying is this, is that justification does not lead to sin. It leads to holiness. It leads to a new kind of slavery. You are not justified in giving saving grace in order that you run amok so that the grace may abound. It doesn't happen. It can't happen because you are transformed. Your old life is dead. You have risen to a new kind of life and you now love holiness. You are no longer under the tyranny of the law, but you can now do for the first time what you never could do in the past. And that is you can obey the law and bear fruit unto God. You could say this, that because you died in Christ and the tyranny of the law is broken, you now live in Christ and for the first time, listen to this, you can fulfill the law. And that is coming from John MacArthur, who I really like reading behind. So maybe he says that a little bit uh, better than me. So maybe today you're kind of a rogue Christian and you're listening to this. God has not called you to be a rogue Christian to live any way that you want. You are under, as a believer, you are now an obligated person to walk in his ways to bear that fruit and to please him. And so I pray that you will, you will see that and that you will do that. And, uh, and if you are a faithful believer who is you know, living this way, you're, you're growing, you're, you're being intentional about those things, let me just say, keep on keeping on. I, I'm proud of you. Keep doing what you're doing and, and keep growing and keep, keep loving God and loving people. And, uh, and, and don't, don't walk in sin. And so I, I kind of close with a, I want to kind of close with a story um, in, in preaching, you know, that I have experienced through this. And, and this is the danger of the hyper grace view that you often, uh, can, can experience whenever you start telling people, look, if you love him, this is how you're going to do it. If you say that you've been made right with God, then the fruit of your life should be this, you know, uh, and, and one time, you know, over the course of ministry, this has happened over the course of ministry, but I have had people approach me and say, you know, listen, I'm, I'm no longer coming to your church anymore. And, and my response, obviously, is why aren't you coming anymore? And their, their response, and I have had this happen directly said this way, is I can't come here anymore because when you preach, I am tired of being challenged every week to grow in my faith and to be a better Christian. And it makes me feel like a bad Christian 
whenever you preach that. And I had to step back and think about that for a minute because that hurts when, when people tell you that. But what I've come to understand is, is that folks that come to you and say that, they have a hyper-grace view. And they have been taught a hyper-grace view. And in that hyper-grace view, what they don't want to be is challenged. They want to be anti-nominism. They, they, they don't want any divine mandate on their life. And so what essentially they're expressing without saying it is, is listen, I've got unconfessed sin in my life as a believer, and I don't want to be put under this mandate because I'm not living for Christ. Now, what does that mean? It's typical of humanity, even people who are redeemed, when, when the, the weight of the word has fallen on your life, to want to run from it. And I'm contending is, is that I, I don't know any preachers who get up in the pulpit, including myself, who want to make people or tell people you're being a bad Christian. That, that's not the goal of preaching. Um, but what I would contend is, is if you feel this way, that you are not fulfilling this this mandate that Jesus has given and that we see in the scriptures about the law of Christ, that instead of running from his church and trying to find someplace that that uh, you can find something easy to chew on, it's to run into the arms of Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me. I have fallen short. I am not living by way of the spirit. I'm living in the flesh. And Lord, I want that restored, but I want you to forgive me for that and put me back on you know, the, the, the solid ground that I need to be on. And so instead of running away from it, I think that as believers, when the word convicts us, we need to run to Jesus. And it's not that we need more grace preached to us. It's that we need to understand that as believers, that I believe that this relationship to the law has, has in some sense changed the law of Christ, which is the law of love, which is what I'm referring to. It has changed its place in our life as believers. And we need to remember that. So I think in, instead of running to, to a hyper grace, you know, view or place, run to Jesus and let him forgive you and restore you and use you to fulfill his purpose and plan for your life. And uh, so I pray that whenever you share the gospel and, and with other people and you're dealing with, with believers and you're trying to help them grow, that, that we won't make this just about, do you want to go to heaven? Who doesn't want to go to heaven? Everybody wants to go to heaven, right? You know, we, we need to be more, I think, helping people understand the relationship to the law, you know, how we are saved, the brand new life that we get, and, and the beauty of the gospel. Uh, even though we're saved, we are still imperfect, and, and thank goodness that we stand in His grace every single day. But that does not limit the demand that we have now. And I don't want to say that we're under the law of Christ, but I want to say that we are under a divine mandate from Jesus to fulfill the law of Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope that this has helped you in some way that you will see that the law is simply not null and void. In fact, we have been freed from the tyranny of the law in order that we would bear fruit in obedience to the law of Christ, loving God and loving people. Thank you again so much for tuning in. If you have any questions related to the Bible, email me at biblicaltruth345 at gmail.com and I will try to answer your questions based off of what the Bible says. I want to thank you again and let me give you this charge, believer. This week, as a believer, walk in the Spirit of God, love God, love people, share the gospel. And if you don't know Him, you say, I want to know Him. I want to be released from this tyranny of law. 
Repent of your sins and trust Jesus by way of faith and you will be in right standing. And for the first time, you will be able to fulfill the law of Christ by loving Him and loving people and bearing this fruit. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll see you next week.